てくるずっとずっと前にはもうアポロ十一号は月に行ったっていうのに Spark and Book Club 2014 Ring World. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spark and Book Club. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? We're here for the beginning of the end. We're almost finished with this. We're actually in finishing September, and then we got three months left, and we are done. We are done with the book club, and we'll see how this all went. And this is a very special one because, and I know we started with sci fi, we started with the time machine that was written by H.G. Wells, and that we could say is the predecessor for science fiction. But this guy, Larry Niven, in the 70s, came up even further, and he's created one of the most influential books possible. And more importantly, that this book, which was written in 1970, was so controversial that a year later, MIT students went to a convention he was at and were ranting and raving at him, saying, There's no fucking way this could work! This is not psychologically or physically possible! And he actually wrote a fucking sequel to be like, Yeah, I wrote this as one story, but I gotta fucking explain how this fucking works. Let's go. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, I'm your Ozan. And I'm still eating, still chewing, still trying to demolish my food. Still Baz. Yes, Baz is here adding color commentary on this very special book because this actually works because he understands about sci fi. You he, forgot to mention somebody else that was very crucial to the sci fi world. Roddenberry was not was influenced by this as well. No, I'm talking about even way earlier than Roddenberry. You said Wells. You said Asim. I didn't say actually because this was influenced. This is one of the stories that's interesting. It's one of the great sci-fi authors and creators. We're talking about H.G. Wells. We're talking about um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Uh, How about Jules Verne? Jules Verne is up there too. He's the one who, is, who wrote. The who old. wrote in the 1800s? No, I mean, yeah. Around the 1800s? No, yeah. No, Verne, H.G. Wells. <laughs> Burroughs, I mean. And Verne was definitely way, way, way ahead of his time. They all were ahead of their time. We also look at the guy who did Lensman. He essentially created the Green Lantern Corps in 1683. 1683 came up with time machines and space travel and... No! Okay, my, my laptop closed off. The point is, this is one of those influential authors who's influenced so many people, and it's genius that he's written it. Now, for those of you who don't know, this is a book that, like I said, was written by Larry Niven. There are several stories in this universe, which is known as the Known Universe. And you can get it anywhere, and it is known as Ringworld. Not Ringworm. Ringworld. Now here's the, and they're making actually a sci-fi channel show about this. Hopefully. They've tried nine times to make this, and they failed each time. I don't know, maybe it's the scale model of the thing. It's so damn big, you can't physically see the whole thing. Again, it's also Siffy. I mean, the only thing they've actually made that's a book that worked was Dune, kinda? Yeah, if I go kind of on that one. Dune was... That was just weird. You had to combine the two. You had to combine the puppetry from the first one with the CG of the technology from the TV series, and it would have worked. Honestly. I don't know. Would you really be Kyle McLaughlin doing Dune? Kyle. Eh, maybe. I liked him with the blonde instead of the brunette. I actually liked... I liked and, and no disrespect to Sir Patrick, but where is your hair? He sold his his soul he sold his hair to the devil to have a perfect career. Obviously, you don't remember the Star Trek Generation movies that they made. Oh, I'm gonna get, I'm not gonna get shot by Star Trek fans on that one. But even you, Star Trek fans, have to understand 
the Generation movies and all he that He was stuff. the best part of them. So you cannot say he didn't. He's done some well, terrible, but his career has been amazing. Oh, yeah, because he did excellent. The only thing that was good from that whole entire series, and I'm going to do this quickly because we've got to go on topic on this one, is the fact that one scene, Star Trek First Contact, when, uh, I forget what her name was, had quoted her, quoted Picard being Ahab. And then afterwards, he started reciting Moby Dick. A couple of months later, guess what he's doing? Playing Captain Ahab in Moby Dick. Coincidence. Oh. Again, he's John Luke Picard. He can do whatever he fucks he wants. But, so, actually, I could see him in this. Honestly, if they made, if they made, I would put him in this. But let's, for those of you who've never read this story, and since it's 1970s, I could spoil the fuck out of it. Because it's been over, what is it, 30, 40 years now? Well, let's see, we're in 2014. What yeah, year so was this officially written? 1970, so 40, 44 years. I think that's... Oh my what, god, yeah. That's way past statute of limitations. Yeah, spoilers. So here's the premise. The premise is it takes place in the far distant year of 2850. And you got this guy named Lu Wu. Gee, like, that doesn't sound anime enough. Uh, he's apparently Jewish. Lu Wu? Louis Wu. Well, Gridley. It's Louis Gridley Wu. If he was a wrestler, he'd be saying, Lou Wu Wu, you know it. The point is, he's celebrating his 200th birthday. In the future, we kind of figured out how to to go live longer, because we got some help from these beings that are called, well, they're called Pearson's Puppeteers. To explain this, for those of you who've never seen it, a Pearson's Puppeteer is kind of like, imagine a... Sounds like a face to me. Kind of like, imagine a thing like this. Now, I'm sure, holding up a mouse. Now, imagine a mouse. Like, mm-hmm. the, like the, the object of mouse. That's the body shape. Mm-hmm. Add two little heads mm-hmm. that go like this with one eye on them each. Mm-hmm. Two legs in the front mm-hmm. and one in the back. Sounds like Gary the Snail on Spongebob. Gary doesn't have feet. But either way, both mouse talk. Mm-hmm. Both are sentient. And these things are alien alien race that we've dealt with. We talk to them, and they're cool, and this one, whose name's Nessius, kind of referencing the centaurs back in the day a lot of them, he says, hey, look, I know you're depressed and you're bored because you're 200 years old, so I got a little job for you. I have three other people who are working on this little job. Now, one of them is a girl named Tella. She's a human. She's young. She's like 21 years old. And like I said, this guy's 200 fucking years old. He looks young, though. He looks like he's in the 50s. And the other person is <coughs> Speaker to Animals. Now, Speaker to Animals is fucking awesome. He's a kizen. Now, if you've ever played a game... Actually, they've been in Star Trek. That's the cool thing. They've been referenced in Star Trek, and they've been referenced... If you know Wing Commander, you will know the Kizen are the inspiration for the Kilrathi. So it's a giant lion man, whose name is Speaker to Animals. And so the deal is, first they go to the the puppeteer's world, where they explain that the goal is they want them to to explore a ring world. Now, ring world is an artificial ring that's about a million miles wide, in about the diameter of Earth's orbit. To describe it in layman's terms for people that don't understand what the hell we're talking about, envision Halo. Yeah, I'm talking the video game Halo. And multiply the size of Halo by about, I don't know. A lot. A lot. Like I said, it is... A halo that could surround a sun. Yeah, it is the, like I said, it's the length of Earth's orbit around the sun. And the width is a million miles long. And it's circling a... There's 184 million miles to the sun. 
No? 600 million in circumference. That's not bad. That's, that means five. Yeah, so it's going to be actually 600 divided by three. So the, yeah, about three million. Ugh. But anyway, so this is circling around. Like I said, we're cir it's circling around this kind of sunless star. It's got artificial gravity that's close enough to Earth where you're fine. And like we said, it's kind of like Halo where you got mountains and other things. And so these guys are hired to go check it out. And as they go there in their ship, which is called the Line Bastard, kind of cool, they end up crashing on to the ring world, and they now have to figure out how to get off of this and also explore it. Boy. While dealing with dementia, one of them goes slowly crazy. You have to deal with the inhabitants who are not, who are just kind of humanish, but they're not really. And you also have. I smell lawsuit! It's more existential. It's like the fact that you find out more about the human's race. The Pearson's puppeteers, who are all benevolent and mellow, eh, they may have finagled with humanity over time to breed luck into us. Sounds like the dark crystal beats crack. Yeah. Wow, you actually nailed it on the ball? Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty cool. There's some really cool aspects of it. You're trying to find out more about this weird civilization, because you have all these tribal people living in advanced technology. That doesn't work anymore, and you're wondering, why doesn't it work anymore? How come the ring world isn't working? What's going on? How are they going to get off? How are they going to fix their ship? Because their light drive, their hyperdrive, works perfectly fine. But their sub-orbits don't work for shit, because that's when they crashed. So they got to repair that and get it to work, and all this other crazy stuff going on. And also you have the girl finding a new boyfriend in one of the people who's there. You have this guy who's pretty much... I'll say Lou is kind of... Little homicidal. He wants to kill himself. He's a little suicidal. That's 200 years of age. I'd want to kill myself. But it's an engaging and intriguing story. It's a little cerebral. I'm not going to lie. If you're a Ghost in the Shell fan, you will love this because this is all that type of written shit which will go in your head. If you are a hardcore sci-fi fan, you'll be like, this all fucking makes sense. It's brilliant. If, if you, you're into neither, you'll probably say, what the hell am I reading? Yeah. Pretty much, I mean, because this is not like Halo. This is not the, I am the soldier who's going to come and shoot the fuck out of everybody. I'm fighting the bad guys. I'm going to win, save the day. No, this is three guys who were hired to do a job. We crashed and we had to fix the ship and get the fuck off and see what's going on. It's destiny! Kind of. Another one that they could sue it from. So, nope, 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 nope. so these guys here can sue the shit out of Bungie since they created Halo and now Destiny. Boy, I see a lot. On the other hand, they're both in, they both inspired them from this series, which you can see now. That's pretty cool. Take a ring, add three people, shoot the shit out of aliens that look like something out of Gears, the original story. There are no aliens. No, the al no, the, the aliens are not, they're not trying to kill the puppeteers. The puppeteers, there's only like one you deal with. It's, it's pretty cool, but this actually established the faster than light concept, if I remember correctly. This established that one light year per three days. Which is really fucking cool. Because for those who don't know, a light year is like one trillion miles. Mm. Roughly. I can get the actual number, but I'm too lazy to go to Wikipedia to look it up. But yeah, so it gets you done in three days with a hyperdrive. Yeah. You, you also have P2P teleportation too, which is invented by humans. Which is something that we... The theory was now that P2P teleportation just kills you and then makes a clone of you, I think. Nobody will ever know. Uh, would you really want to risk that? I'm going to be fine! <laughs> Why do you think Dr. McCoy always wanted to ride in the shuttlecraft? Scramble your molecules all over space? You can't trust that. 
I don't think, like I said, I don't think you scramble your molecules. The teleporter, I think it literally disintegrates you and then just recreates you. Is it, yeah, I remember, it's like, the mic, it becomes so microscopic, yeah, it scatters you, but then what? You scramble throughout the universe. No, it doesn't. It just kills you. I think it's a kill ray that kills you, and then it just copies you wherever you're supposed to go. It just makes a, a photocopy of it. That's it. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is a sci-fi thing for another day. But point is, if you have a chance, check it out. It's totally worth it. It's one of the best stories I've read in a long time. It's Is it the best one that I've read for the year? No, I'm still thinking that Raising Steam is that one, but it's really good. It's really enjoyable, and I went in kicking and streaming. I liked it. It's pretty good. It's a little dated. It's got a, little, a couple references, including like CRTV level references, but it's not that bad. So I think that's it. Um, next episode, we're going to be talking about the complete works of Edgar Allan Poe, which looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and it's been a long time since I've read it. I think I last read it in 1994, which is a long time ago, so hopefully it holds up. We'll see. So I guess that's it. Um, so good luck, and hope you guys enjoy it. We'll talk to you next time. Peace! Check us out the video that's Bye.